man appreciate it sorry so last minute we're i was just trying to think of people who have played the game yeah no it's it's cool it's nice yeah, uh, thank dude. you for having me here of course yeah. hopefully this felt felt a little like more free form than gerald's podcast yeah i didn't feel as much uh pressure and i felt a lot more uh like i, w- I could just talk you know like i was just talking to you guys yeah, yeah. so yeah of co- yeah dude i'm glad because gerald like there's a lot of pressure to talk on gerald's show <laughs> yeah, and he has uh, an agenda. I feel like I gotta watch what I say a lot more. On, yeah, on there. yeah. So, all right, cool, man. Well, let me hold on. Stop the recording. You want to stop the Garage Band one too? Also, I gotta ask. Yep. Um. Yeah, I bought the Blu-ray a while ago. I was trying to get the movie, and I had to. It, they stopped making it. Oh, the Bebop movie. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up. I got into a bidding war with some guy on eBay. Ended up paying like forty bucks for it. <laughs> I, nice. So I have also Big O, dude. It's such a good show. I've seen some of them. I haven't seen them all though. It's good, man. You want to borrow the Blu-ray? Let me know. But um. Gundam Wing was one I was trying to finish, and I still need to get the back half of the series and Endless Waltz, but they're both like 40 bucks a piece. I have Endless Waltz. Do you? Not on Blu-ray, though. Uh, I have it. I I bought it back OG before there were Blu-ray DVDs, just a regular oh, DVD. I, I had the DVD sets, the, the Bandai Legends one. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. but I got rid of them because I, when I worked at Seacoast, I had to sell a lot of stuff to pay my bills. Mm. So now I'm trying to like get all Shmish my shit back. I know. Tell me about it. Um, I'm still there. I'm going to CR now. Are you? How's yeah. that going? It's good. I'm yeah. doing step study and everything. Nice, dude. So it's uh, digging it's it. Been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a completely different thing. Yeah, of course. CR is. Um, is it because you have to? There's a program, right? You got to like do your testimony and all that. Um. Not just to go to the service or like to participate in like the smaller like group share things, yeah. But um, in in if you do actually do like a step study, there's more of like a testimony thing. But it's real like casual, and there's like a workbook that um, Rick Warren put together. Um, yeah, you know, it's like the twelve step program, but it's more. As it said, it's refocusing on the biblical basis of the 12 steps rather than just yeah. a secular, you know, Let non-religious me. version of it. Have you read this? Let me show me a book that I've already read. No, I heard about it, though. You want to borrow it? I've got so many books right now, dude. It's good, though. Like this. Reading. Is it a quick read? It's a it's a pretty quick read. Font's really oh, big. It's got really big, really big font. Yeah, it's easy to get you through. Have a bookmark here. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I keep going back. I keep meaning to go back and highlight things. What's it on? I don't know. Something. I keep meaning to go highlight things in the book, but I haven't done it yet. I'm trying yeah. to get through Jordan Peterson's book still. Yeah. I'll borrow it from you. I got. Seven books Dude, in my queue right now. Still reading Richard I, Rohr. I finished Immortal Diamond. 
that was really good. Okay. Um, and then I've got, I think I got one more of his. Just I, I listened to a podcast of his today, and he was going and talking about like hell, heaven, and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. I gotta listen to this podcast. He's a, it's, it's, he's a smart dude. It's blowing my mind because he's talking about how hell, in the sense that churches sell it, is not real, mm-hmm. and that causes a lot of controversy within churches. Like everyone, he's because his his thing was. In the Bible, it only talks about hell a certain amount of times, right? In Matthew, and then there's a couple other books in the Bible where it talks about hell. But most, they're not ever a place of death and torture. Or not tor- death, but they're never a place of, like, eternal torture and, and mm-hmm. fire and torment. Yep. It's always, like, hell was, uh, there's Hades, and then he talks about the place outside of Jerusalem where they burn the bodies. Mm-hmm. And what's really crazy, too, when you think about it, is he's a Franciscan yeah. monk. So he's like, and it's he, like a subset of the Catholic Church, and you're like, yeah, because he. How does someone that's within the branch of Catholicism and Catholic Church and the Pope and everything still? I he, mean, he he holds true, and he, you know, I, he has like the doctrinal beliefs of a Franciscan, yeah. But the way that he talks and speaks is like not my understanding of. Catholicism. Yeah, because he used to, he used to be part of the diocese too. Yeah, like that was his. Now he does his own thing, but he's yeah. still a Franciscan. But yeah, it's crazy. But his and his whole thing with heaven, like he's what he talks about, is kind of reminds me of the second second life theory or second earth theory. So when you die mm-hmm. here, your body's not resurrected in this plane of existence. It's resurrected in a different realm or dimension or world, as it's mm-hmm. you know. Talked about. Talked about, yeah. So, like, there's, you know, the whole idea of the multiverse, right? Yeah. And so, um, it's interesting, because I got to go back and listen to it again, because I couldn't quite make out, like, if it was because of our, it's our deeds that decide how or what we get resurrected, not resurrected, but, like, you know, live again as in another dimension, because that kind of goes into ideas of, like, reincarnation, but. Yeah, that's starting to screw the line of. Yeah, yeah. Of that. But it's uh, it's interesting. I need to listen Doctrinal to it again because it was stuff. it was giving me a headache trying to follow it all today, especially because I was trying to like do other things, do other things. But um, yeah, there's his stuff is is dense, and you have to just read it and it like multiple times, like turn out all distractions. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It. So I'm gonna let you run with this episode. Okay, I'll do the intro, and then you want to just talk about the what we're sure. going into. I'll kind of pose more questions to you because you're an E3 veteran okay, kind of thing and you kind of just opinion yeah, yeah, on so. on stuff. And I've got stuff too, so we'll go back and forth, but kind of okay. I'll, I'll try and drive the ship for the most part. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Um, cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Topicocalypse, the only podcast on the internet. I am your revered or reviled host, Josh Peterson, and I'm joined here by our resident meme lord, Brett Cruz. When in doubt, Jesus and tacos. Amen, amen. That's the gospel I can get behind. Yep. All right, Brett Cruz, you got a uh, you got a topic for us, and we're you know we discussed video games in the last episode, and we're kind of piggybacking on that right now with a little little conference that nobody ever attends called E3. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What was this? Two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Um. There's uh, an article that popped through my timeline. Um, that I that kind of caught my eye, and I and I thought of you as soon as I saw it. 
And the headline is, uh, shameless E3 organizers want to pay media in order to, quote, control content and the message. And I, I sent this over to you, and I, I had you read it, and you said, this is very interesting. I've heard a lot of other stuff about this. So basically, the content of this article, which um, if you do your job right, well, a link of it will be in the description of the episode. <laughs> Hold me accountable. All right, will do. Um, it, it basically talks about a, a presentation that the organizers of E3 um, sent to you know their people about how they want to conduct E3 as a conference going forward. Um, and they had a, a screenshot of a slide that's, um, you know, that says paid media partnerships, um, which are kind of like, okay, you know, that makes sense. You would want to help, you know, you would pay media to help promote your thing. But one of the, the first bullet point is create paid media partnerships with major outlets that exponentially increase the reach of E3 and its exhibitors. You're like, oh, okay, that's good. I mean, there's a catch to it. And the second point enables ESA, which is the, the group that runs E3, to control content and the message. Mm. Boom. There it is. There it is. Yeah. And that's kind of what the kind of what the article was getting towards. Um, they talk about how E3's attendance has declined over the years. It's not doing as well as it used to developers, studios, even Microsoft are holding similar kind of conferences. Well, Microsoft's outside. Yeah, they're in the theater. The all their stuff is locked LA. out. Yeah. Yeah. And Sony dropped out altogether. And yeah, and developers didn't show up this year or they announced things that they normally would have announced at E3 before E3 and then they kind of did like a, oh hey, in case you didn't see it. Yeah. This is what we announce. So, as a media guy who's gone to E3 the last number of years, how do you feel about this? I, it was, okay, so let me... And how much money would it take for you to, <laughs> to spin the message? Five dollars. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, I've been going to E3 for four years now. And when I first went, E3 was just packed. There was journalists everywhere, you know, and this was before Sony dropped out. Like, I remember the year I was there when they announced God of War, the uh, the last one that came out. And that was, everyone was super stoked about that. It was huge. You know, and Microsoft still had a presence in the main halls. Sony was there. Nintendo was there. But now, like, you go to the, last year, for example, I went, when I went to E3, I was there with um, Chad Smith of Hyperschmidt. And there was nobody there. Like all these halls, these these small companies are able to expand across a lot of, um, you know, a floor lot of space. real estate. Yeah, floor space. Because nobody's there. And if you go into like these halls that were usually like Microsoft and Sony are, they have a bunch of bars. So mm. you go in there, you can get, you can get uh, mixed drinks, beer, whatever it is. But there's a lot of those spread all throughout the halls. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a, I, I love the, the presence of the indie platforms there, which is really cool. Like, there's a game I played called uh, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, and it's like a, it's a 2D side-scroller, and you're playing as... It reminds me of Brave Fencer Musashi. 
Okay. But it's a 2D game, and you're playing, you know, you're swinging your, your hoe, as it were. And uh, it, it's fun, and I, I love to see, like, these indie platforms get big presences here at E3 because there's a yeah. lot of great indie. And I, I honestly, just much like the movie industry, I think that the indie developers are the future of the gaming industry. Yeah. But do you think that um, the reason why these indies are able to grab bigger spaces is because the big boys are not there anymore yeah. or not there as big yeah, as Yeah, because there's not as much to see. And with like Nintendo, Nintendo has always had a consistent presence. So last year they had Luigi's Mansion. You go and play Pokemon Sword and Shield. There's uh, Mario, Sonic, Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like they had a big presence there. And like they always do. They have a whole... Um, section of like the, the east hall like blocked off and you That's have to wait in line Nintendo to get in there yeah yeah and like yeah. for luigi's mansion you had to wait in line you actually went into like a dark hall and they had decorations or nintendo goes all out for all this stuff but yeah um you know even last the, the year before when sony was there they had a very small presence their presence had been shrinking and then microsoft has all their stuff locked off in another in the in a theater and they're mm-hmm. only there for two days so yeah. With E3, I think the issue was, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts where they're talking about this, a lot of these major outlets are not going to E3 anymore mm-hmm. because they're um, on day one, it's only press. Yeah. Day two, they let the public in at around 12. Day three, they let the public in around 12. Mm-hmm. So once the public gets in there, you can't walk, you can't breathe, you can't do anything. It's like a regular, any other kind of crazy convention. It's like being at Disneyland during the summer. Mm-hmm. There's just bodies packed everywhere. So if you, like, I've heard a lot of stories about different publications having appointments with, you know, Bethesda at 3 o'clock, mm-hmm. and they start walking, and it takes them 30 minutes to, to get, get there, there because there's so many bodies, and they end up losing that appointment. Yeah. So there's a lot of frustration, and people are thinking to themselves, like, this is not a trade, this is not like a a trade show anymore. Or it's a convention. A, or a convention. It's a public... Um, it's like a Comic Con, yeah, yeah. Wonder Con, mm-hmm. any kind of big conference, PAX or whatever that right, just exactly. anybody can go to. Yeah. Because E3 was originally media, influencers, people yeah. that had content creators only, like yeah. the whole weekend. Right? Yeah. And like, do you remember back when PlayStation was announced, right? And it was, it was all, they had press conferences, is is very small stages, right? There are no mm-hmm. screens or anything. It's just a guy up on a stage in a theater talking. Yep. That's all it was. And I remember when PlayStation came out and announced that they were going to be $200 cheaper than the Sega Saturn, and it's available the next week. Yeah. That was really cool. But it's not like that anymore. Like, if you go out... I remember I was there with Tony, who we just talked to on the show uh, this past year, and we walked by, and all the people who are from the public have orange badges, Mm-hmm. So you go in there and you look at the line outside. It's just bodies everywhere. And l- l- let's not forget that L.A. is already a pain in the ass to walk around. <laughs> True. Downtown and L.A. is yeah, a pain in the butt. Yeah. And so, like, once you let all these people in and then you're trying to get back to your car and there's traffic, like, it's just, it's not, it's not as fun as it used to be because yeah. the, it's not as relaxed and laid back. You have too many, too many people going around. You feel rushed. You and, feel rushed. Yeah. You feel crowded. It's just, it's not as fun as it once was. Now... Do you think, and th- this is me as a media outsider, you know, person who's normally just a consumer, is from my viewpoint, it seems like the organizers of E3 tried to make this into a, a money-making machine yeah, by allowing yeah, people Yeah, they want to profit on it. And do you think that 
the game developers have backed off on joining because of that. Yeah, because they're not getting as much media saturation as they used to Mm -hmm. because there's so many... Because there's a lot of people who, like, their, their media departments will only reach out to you if you have a certain amount of people. And so with, uh, or a certain amount of followers or whatever it is. And with Sony, Sony, Nintendo, whatever it is, they, they get a lot of publicity off of the smaller promoters. But the smaller promoters have to wait in line. But when you let the public in, that line becomes significantly longer. So people are skipping those to going on to... Smaller platforms. That's why games mm-hmm. like Battle Princess Madeline got so much, um, so much attention, and like press because more people, more people are going to the smaller lines to to check out these games as opposed to wasting six hours in line to go play Luigi's Mansion or something. Yeah, and in this article, they they mentioned that they were opening up another ten thousand tickets. For consumers, that's that's bad because if you go there even without those ten thousand bodies, there's there's it's still crazy. too many bodies there now. And it it's funny the article it, put, it puts another thing that shows E3's attendance numbers, exhibitions, game shows, trade shows compared to kind of the big ones across the world. Um, E3 2019 had 66,000 people, which is a lot of people. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not it's jump not, change. Not a small number, yeah. Um, but compared to Gamescom, which is in Germany, Germany. 373,000 people. Mm-hmm. China, Joy, 365. Brazil, Taipei, uh, Paris, Games Week in 2018, 2019s. Over 300,000 people. Tokyo, Korea, over 200,000 people attend. Yeah. So it, it, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the fact that they want to turn this more into a consumer thing when there are already so many games conventions. There's mm-hmm. PAX West. Granted, it's up in Seattle. Yeah. Um, there's PAX South, PAX East. Um, there's TwitchCon which is kind of more about streaming, streaming, but a lot but, of games there, but presence. there's a lot of games yeah. there. Um, and there's a lot of gamers that go to there, you know, are, are they just, does it seem like they're just trying to get a pie and not really realizing that they're jumping into an oversaturated market? Yeah. They're, be, they're becoming irrelevant. And that's the thing. Like that's why all these developers are dropping out. They're becoming irrelevant. And now, they're trying to find whatever they can to fill the floor space. And it just becomes, there's only so many things to do at E3. Mm-hmm. It's like before it would take me three days to go through all the stuff they have there. And now like last year, it took me one day and I, it was half of a day mm-hmm. and I was able to get everything I needed out of it. Yeah. And especially with like Gamescon, right? Like all these developers are waiting to make big announcements at these places where there are bigger numbers. Yep. So I'm predicting like next year we're going to see a Sony conference at Gamescom. We're going to see a Sony, a Xbox conference at Gamescom. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to be seeing these conferences at E3. Yes, Microsoft might announce a few things at E3 just because that's, that's a tradition. Yeah. But now with more people dropping out, you see E3 becoming more desperate. And that's why they're offering money to certain outlets to promote them in certain ways. Now, as, as I'm reading this, and, and I'll ask you if this is a legitimate possibility or not is to basically do a 180 reverse course. 
Okay. Make it a media only thing. And you invite or, you know, in order to get a ticket, you have to show that you have certain media credentials, you're a content creator, whatever that, you know, that shows that you can, that you're going to promote whatever it is that they show. They lock it back down. Yeah. Do you think that could potentially save E3 and bring it back to where it is, where it's media. So media hangs out with media. So it's like, oh, hey, you write for so-and-so. You write for so-and-so. And so it it becomes a, it becomes the tight knit, you know, community that it used to be. And it, maybe it doesn't make as much money, which maybe that's, you know, that's kind of the reason why they, you know, they probably opened it up to the public in the first place. Right. But you, you give the quality and then you may be able to bring the developers back. I would say Yes, possibly, but a big thing about E3 now is there's a lot of vendors there, too, so it's like a, they have a whole section that's kind of like a swap meet, mm. and I imagine they make quite a bit of money off people renting those stalls from them. Yeah. So it would be it would be good for the gaming industry, but I don't think it would be good for E3 and the convention center. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I know it's all about balance, but at this point, you know, Sony's given up on them. Sounds yeah. like Microsoft's on their way out. Yeah, they got like one toe, one foot in the, in the yeah. bathwater. And it doesn't really cost Nintendo that much to be there because they don't do a conference anymore. They just do like their their directs, which are 30-minute things that are filmed ahead of time. Yeah, and they release them mm-hmm. and they put them on YouTube or whatever. And yeah, it's same thing free. with Square and Capcom and companies like that. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't think that there's... I think the press would like that a lot, but I think there's already so much negative uh, perception of E3 that I don't think there's really a, a chance to bring people back to that, especially with Gamescom is huge. You know, Capcom makes announcements at Gamescom. Sony does. A lot of people do that, and I think that's going to be the next E3, and I feel like E3 is going to slowly phase out over the coming years. Yeah. My other thought on on this stuff is also, you know, these developers, studios, consoles, right? they have to pay in order to promote at E3. Yeah. They, they have to pay whatever the fee is, you know, to be able to present, to have booth space. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if they're realizing the, the higher-ups are finding that they can get more bang for their buck by going to Gamescom, doing their own yeah. conference. They keep all the costs in-house. They don't pay a markup or anything else. And they can control and say whatever they want. Well, that's why Microsoft has their show outside of the the exhibit hall. They don't have to pay the exuberant fees, and they probably have some kind of deal going with, I think it's T-Mobile, yeah. uh, to, to keep their have their stuff in there. And it probably works out better from them for a business standpoint. They're just... Sticking, I mean, there's no reason for them to really stick around in the, any there anymore. They could technically leave whenever they want to because they're not really associated with E3. They're there during the weeks of E3. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of liken it to um, cable and satellite and the streaming services mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So before you you bought cable, everything was all in one place. Yeah. And it was like you bought... You maybe added your HBO mm-hmm. or your whatever package, but now 
it's Netflix. Yeah. It's Hulu. It's the Disney Plus that's coming out. HBO Plus. Yep. You know, start. They all have their own streaming services because they're like, why are we making less money to have someone else distribute it? Promote our own thing. We can do it ourselves, which I, you know, in some ideas is good for the consumer because mm-hmm. then you only have to go to and pay for what you want. Yeah. But and even that business, model you then is have to go to five different conferences yeah, exactly. if you're a media person, yep. or like streaming services. Now it's like there are things that are exclusive to Netflix. Well, you know, whatever the, Disney's at, stuff is going to be on its own thing. So you're Disney like, Plus, shoot, yeah. I got to pay for Netflix to do the Netflix stuff, and if I want to watch Disney, the Star Wars, you know, the Disney Universe stuff, mm-hmm. Marvel. I now got to pay for that. Well, look at the Nintendo platform, right? They don't go anywhere. You know, they just have their presences at these exhibitions or cons or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And most of their stuff, like their production stuff, is done, filmed in-house, and it's just put up on the internet. I think it's only a matter of time until we get to that point. All the develop, all the big developers. They're going to do their own thing. Yeah. Or they're going to do it all online only, and they're going to broadcast it mm-hmm. on YouTube, Twitch, Mixer, you know, the yeah. streaming services. And on, you know, probably embed a live, you know, a video on their yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it's it. going to be way lower cost. And ideally, that means better consoles, better game. You know, they can put that you, money elsewhere. You would hope. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, so, so kind of closing thoughts on this. How long do you think E3 has left? Because it, it, I don't know of how many other... E3 type of conventions or events there are. They're, not, not on the West Coast, at least. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's packs, but they're they're gaming, like, more specific. This is, like, very, or used to be very media-focused. How many more years do you think it's got left? I would say three. Three years? <clears throat> you know, because they still have, they have Bethesda there, they have Ubisoft there, they have Microsoft, but they all do their conferences off-site. Mm-hmm. You know, Bethesda still has a presence in the main hall. Ubisoft does. But all their stuff now, it's locked off in their own thing. So you used to be able to go out. They had these big areas. You can see the screens where people are playing things. Yeah. Now it's all specifically locked. It's locked off behind walls. And you have to have appointments to get into things. And I, I think that uh, even from a consumer standpoint, if you're going to E3, you're not going to be able to get to see the things that you, you want to. So with more uh, people coming in, there's going to be more regulation of things and even from a consumer standpoint there's going to be people who show up and go you know i'm hoping to just get a look at far cry 6 or whatever's coming out right mm-hmm. and they don't get to see that because it's behind a wall yeah. and that's going to cause people to go to the attendance to go down too so they're burying themselves and i yeah. don't think anything they're doing is is great yeah from a business standpoint yeah control controlling the message it's good when people don't know that you're trying to control the message. But, yeah, but even with that thing leaking out, it's going to shoot them in the foot, just like every other move they've made in the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, if you want to find this podcast and other great episodes of Topic Topicocalypse, you can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podcast.com, Google Play, Stitcher, and now at Anchor.fm. Until next time, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Boom. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, bang. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? 
then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. 